that word is used, sometimes it's overused or incorrectly used. We have, in our eyes, something as amazing if it kind of tickles and excites us a little. And we go, that was amazing. Actually, no, that really wasn't amazing. That was just exciting. Or we get on a nice ride at a roller, I mean, at, a, at an amusement park, and boy, that thing nearly half killed us. We go, that was amazing. No, that probably just half killed you. Or you find something, you eat somewhere, and you go, man, that dish was amazing. No, it was just really good. And so what happens is when we come to God and we've already used our greatest words and we're trying to describe who he is, we go, he's a man. Well, that, that dish was, well, no, he's a man. No, that, no, no, he's amazing. We just need to choose other words for things that we like in our vocabulary. But that word amazing, shock and awe, you stand there with your mouth hung open, really almost in disbelief that you are witnessing what you are witnessing. I remember the first time I actually set eyes on it, was driving down with our kids. I don't know if they remember, they were in the back of the car. Thank God I didn't wreck. We were, we were, we were coming through the Gothard Tunnel in Switzerland as you were coming, as you were passing through part of the, um, part of the Swiss Alps chain. And when you come out, you are at the base of the Alps as you come out and you come out and all you see are these mountains that are just raised up on either side. And it was my first time. No one warned me. And I'm coming out, and, and, and that day, Lavette wasn't there. She had a trip, and so it was just me in the front and the kids in the back. And I come out, and my mouth just hung. And I'm looking like this, and I had to remember, you're driving, dude. And so I had to look down, had to keep up. I was amazed. Now that look at how great these mountains are. No, my mind immediately went to, God is amazing. Because he did these, and as I'm, I'm sitting here looking, the mouth is hung open at the handiwork of God. That's amazing. When your chicken dinner that you had at that restaurant can match that scene, or when that movie, or when that thrill ride can match it, then you can say amazing. I told you one day someone asked me, why do you follow Christ when there's so many others claiming something different and I had to say to the guy we were sitting right there in Georgetown Market had to say to the guy when someone else does what Jesus did in the way he did it then I'll switch allegiance but until then I'm amazed I'm amazed I love that song so amazing please don't let it just be words let that reflect when you look at the glory of the Lord who he is this morning, I have one verse for us that we're going to read up here, but then I actually have more. But one that I want us to read, and I'm normally reading from the um, English Standard Version, which I will give you what it says, but, but y'all can stand for the reading of this one verse. It's Proverbs 29:18 from the NIV. And some of you will recognize this verse if we, if we do it from another translation. Let's read it together. Where there is no revelation, people cast off restraint, 
But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instruction. We know this verse more by its King James translation, and it goes, without a vision, the people perish. That's the first part of that. That's how the King James translated that. The English Standard Version says, without a prophetic... Uh, here, let me... I had it, and I lost it. Oh, is it up here? Yeah. Where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. That's going to be probably your most accurate, for me, as far as a mixture, word and thought translation. You may be seated. Where there is no prophetic vision... And so this morning, I really want to talk about clear vision for the new year, or told you I would use it, 2020 vision, clear vision for the new year. And as I said earlier, many times when we think of vision, we have our list of goals and our desires. What's your vision for the new year? And you can rattle off a number of things. Well, I want to, well, I plan to, well, I'm going to, and, and we give all of that, you know, expression, but is that really vision? I want to break this verse down, and then over the next few weeks, we're going to look at seeing clearly in who we are and what we are to do as believers, and any goal, any direction, anything that we do has to fit within God's vision. When you see that word vision used in scripture, that word which, is a, uh, which means to perceive or to see or that which is revealed, God uses it many times, especially in the Old Testament of his prophets, because he, he, he spoke in visions. In other words, he, he made himself known and his will known in visions. And when he spoke to his prophets, many times he gave them visions. As a matter of fact, Daniel, one of his prophets, could interpret visions. And so for us, many times we get hung up in that and we think we need to see something or something miraculous needs to be shown. God, give me a vision of you. And I go, he has. Open your word. See, that word vision talks about that which is revealed. As we see up here, prophetic vision, that which normally came from the prophets or that which is proclaimed. This isn't just telling of the future. This was that which is proclaimed. And so he says that which is proclaimed is what you are to see. It is giving you sight. It is telling you where to go, how to look, how to live. So this word vision is not one of what are my goals for the year. This word vision is about what am I seeing this year. And for us, many times, you know, as parents, we like to say to our kids, y'all see what you want to see. My mom used to say that to me all the time. Boy, you just see what you want to see. You know how when you go to look for something, I know we've all experienced this. We all have. And I've been on the end of not seeing. Go get me, go look for so-and-so. I mean, such-and-such is in the cabinet. It's not there. Did you look good? Yes. She comes around. Boy, it's right here. You see what you want to see. I didn't pick that up. I didn't move that. I didn't look at that. But the issue was it was something that was there, but I couldn't see. And for many of us, 
What God is saying to us is there are things that are there, that are things that sometimes are in clear sight of us as Christ followers, and we don't see it for a number of reasons. But when the Bible talks about vision, when the Bible talks about God granting that kind of revelation, the intent of it is so that you would see what God sees, what he wants you to know, what he wants revealed, not so that you can add it to the heap of your mental um, things. I mean, those, the, those things that we heap in our thoughts and say, I know a lot. But the reason he does that is so that you and I would live in according to what we see. Okay, let's, let's put that in the modern day language. You're on the highway. We were coming in this morning. You're on the highway. Classic example. Now, today, we live in a society where we have more distracted drivers than ever before. And it's not just phones. Distracted by everything. I pulled up at a light one time, and a, and a, and a woman was, 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 was over, the, over the white crosswalk line, you know, so that I was trying to pull out and go in the other direction, but I couldn't see. And, and as I was looking over to get... To see past her, all I saw was her sitting in, putting in her makeup. Now, you done crossed over the line, and you're in there trying to get yourself ready. That which could have been done in the bathroom, but probably didn't have any time. But let me not do that just with the sisters, because there are our brothers at times that will be on the road. Like this morning as we were coming in, there's this big old truck, and we were driving my wife's car, so we were small on the road, and he's coming over on the lane, and I'm looking at it like, 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 at first I thought, get off your phone, because that's usually what's happening. But when he got back, she says he was looking behind him. He was looking in the back seat, driving a big old truck. And of course, he was coming across our line. Can't see. And so for you and I today, we go, God wants us to, God is asking us, what do we see? And are we prevented from seeing because of what we're doing? Are we prevented from seeing because of how we're living? Are we prevented from seeing because we don't do the work that is needed to see what is in front of us? Without a prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. Understand the context of this one in Proverbs. Understand the Proverbs because I shared this with our elders, understand the Proverbs. The Proverbs are these, generally speaking, wise sayings. All things being equal, these things will happen. It's not a guarantee that they will happen all the time. I was reading, if you read the rest of chapter 29, you will say where it talks about disciplining your son and he will bring you delight. Uh, That doesn't mean all the time. And it may take a while before the son or daughter brings you delight, but it says, but the, but the principle here is discipline. And now some of us, when we hear discipline, we only think one thing. No, it's not. It says the whole topic of discipline or helping them to understand, to fit within the structure. But, but he says, he says, discipline your son. That's a, that's a general wise saying. So in that chapter, when it says without a prophetic vision, people cast off um, restraint, Uh, We are getting a principle, a a wise principle. In order to live within the restraint that is needed, 
you must see something that keeps you there. And so I ask, what are we seeing? We want to see who we are, and then we want to see what we should be doing. But let me first, before I get into talking about who we are, seeing who we are, let's talk about this whole issue of cast off restraint. Without seeing what God has proclaimed, that's a prophetic vision, without seeing that which has been revealed either in the word or through the sermon, without seeing a prophetic vision, it says, now King James kind of failed us there. It said the people perish, and that word perish really wasn't talking about you just die, but it was this whole thing of that, of that you just let it go. Everything is free-flowing. And so that's why we get the definition here. Without a prophetic vision, what does it say? People cast off restraint. What does that mean? In other words, that which was restraining you, you reject and you throw off. See, when we hear the word restraint, automatically, some people right now thought negatively. When you hear the word restraint. Some people thought negative. They did. They thought restraint means you, 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 you limit me, you, know, you prohibit, you get in my way when you think of a restraint. But let me ask you the, the, the time that you were walking down the street and that dog came charging up at you, almost the same size as you are, and when it got close and you didn't see any fence, it was you and the dog. And you were hoping that there's some restraint on that animal getting ready to come at you. See, our neighbor has a great dame. Our neighbor has a great dame. And that dog, and it's a, it's a, as he says, it's a puppy. That thing's head right here, when it stands, Lulu stands right here. And when Lulu gets up on her hind legs, she's over me. Because I was next to him when she did it. That's the only time I'm going to be that close to that animal. So Lulu's head, but Lulu is the biggest baby. Why? Because he has an electric fence. And Lulu got wind of that fence once and doesn't come anywhere near it. And so it's great. And so when people come and they see Lulu sitting on the back porch and they come down the street, they don't see a fence. So they think there's no restraint. And if I'm with them, I'll go, don't worry, there's an electric fence and she won't come near it. But if not, folk will take the long route. They'll go across the street and eyes on that animal. Why? Because they don't know if there's any restraint. Restraint is not a bad word all the time. And in this case, it's not. What he is saying is that without seeing clearly what God has revealed, you will do what you want. And the restraints are meant to keep you where you need to be. That's what they are to do. That's why we have guardrails. No one, no one thinks that guardrails are an annoyance when you're on a mountaintop cliff, winding up or down. Ask my wife. Our GPS took us the wrong way one time in Switzerland, and I found myself coming down a road for the first time at night, two and one in each direction, down the mountainside in Switzerland, and I was sweating bullets. I mean, I've driven in New York City traffic. I've driven crazy as ever. I've been in Italy where people drive on whatever side of the road they choose at the moment. But nothing 
brought fear like that night. And I was never so happy for guardrails. Because I thought, if I make a mistake and I kiss this rail, at least I'm going to kiss the rail. I'm not kissing the side of the cliff. Because on the other side of that guardrail, literally, it just went. And so I dropped the speed down. I thought everybody going to be mad at me tonight because I dropped that speed down to about 35. Folks were going all around. I was like, go ahead around because I'm not going any faster than this. And we got down to the bottom. I said, I ain't using this GPS anymore. They don't know where it's going. But the point in that was restraint I was glad for. And it says, if we don't know what God wants as given through his prophetic vision, uh, let's not get all spooky and super spiritual. That just means today for you and I, his word. That's the prophetic vision of the Lord. If you want to know what the Lord has to say, Lord, I need a fresh word. Go to the one that's there. And that by the power of the Spirit, it will be fresh every time you read it. No, 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 Lord. I need, I need more than your word. I need a vision. You're not getting any more. He was crystal clear in his word. And so as you and I pick it up daily, what we are getting is, is good eyesight. Right now, people in the back row are fuzzy for me. I am what they call nearsighted. And I can see things up close, but when I take these off... I, I, I know most of you in the back. And for, for, for many of us, that's how we live our lives, is that there are things that are so unclear and fuzzy. Why? Because we don't have that which gives us correct eyesight. And we walk through life as if it's fuzzy. Why do you make that decision? Well, I did the best with what I had, Really? See, the issue becomes when I put on the corrective lenses, I see y'all clearly. I see who the Lord is clearly. I see what the Lord is doing clearly, at least for what he wants at that point in time. I may not see everything that he wants and that he's doing, but I see. What do you see? Well, it's going to be based on what you know, what you've learned what you're putting into your life and your heart. Study of the word of God is not just so that you can know a whole lot and answer a whole lot of people's questions and, and be the Bible answer woman or the Bible answer man. That's not the goal. Goal is for you to walk with clear sight as to what the Lord wants. Why? Because then you will have some sense to keep that restraint on. It says without a prophetic vision, people, here's the word, cast off. They don't lose it. They reject it. Why did I choose to live that way disobediently to the Lord? Because I did not see the Lord clearly for who he was, or I thought I could play on the Lord. And I thought that that consequence of sin wasn't going to affect me. So I did it. And, 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 and then People go, well, I didn't really think, yeah, you did. You thought I'm going to, hey, it ain't going to be that bad. Or we hear people say at times, I didn't think it would be that bad. You should have. And had you been looking at the word of God and had you been learning about the character of God, you would have realized this doesn't bring him glory. And so I may find myself in trouble. 
Without a prophetic vision, people cast off restraint. But then he gives the opposite. Many of us stop there in that verse. That verse has a second part to it. The second part on that verse is, had it and lost it again. Give me just a second. Proverbs 29, 18. You guys have it up? Okay. Um, but blessed is he who keeps the law. But blessed is he who keeps the law. Look at what he's saying is, is that you will cast off restraint when you don't have a clear vision as from God's revelation or his word. But you want the blessed life? I know people hear that a lot. I'm blessed. Are you really? Let me ask you, are you really? Is your blessing because you got what you want? Or is your blessing because I'm doing what God wants? See, you may have gotten what you want, and it's not a blessing. You just haven't found that out yet. You might have gotten everything you desired, but you, you, aren't, you aren't being genuine about it. You manipulated to get it. You cut corners. You, you were dishonest. You were not Christ-like. You walked over people. And then when you get it, you say, I'm blessed. No, you got some consequences coming. You just don't know it yet. See, the issue for you and I is the blessed life is the obedient life. You say, yeah, but it doesn't always look like that. It doesn't have to. The blessed life is the obedient life. He says, blessed is the man. Blessed is the one who is obedient to the law. And the law is the word of God. And so for us in this year, I would say, resolve in your hearts to stay in his word, not so that you become the information junkie or the great dispenser of all biblical knowledge, but that you know who God is and what he expects. Some things that happened over the last few months, I've actually said, God, if I did not know you, I would have thought that you hated me. But I know better. Yeah, I'm angry because this didn't happen the way I had wanted to. For many of you know, when we lost, when, when, when my family lost our sister, that was one of the hardest things because it was so unexpected. I mean, it's just so fine one day, gone the next morning. And so I, one of the things right away that I felt coming up was, was what, 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 God, what are you doing? That's what I wanted to say. But as those thoughts were forming in my head, what the word of God taught me was, God, I know you know better than me. So help me because I don't understand this. That's, that helps my psyche a whole lot more. And for you, what is it? See, when you know who God is... Um, as from his word, not from your friend, not from your neighbor. Well, you know, God says, you know, God helps those who help themselves. No, it's not in Bible. Sorry, God. Sorry. That's not Bible. That's not Bible. If you can help yourself, you don't need God. No, instead, in every temptation, there is the way. Of escape. In every time I'm tempted to go opposite of what God wants, God gives me the way of escape. And what is the way of escape? Obedience to his word is, is, is understanding and knowing his character. God, I know you love me. And so love is off the table. 
That's not the issue. The issue becomes, now, this may just be because we live in a fallen society. We're going to go through this. Why did that person treat me that way? Why did they do that? Well, it could be because their disobedient, sinful heart has led them down that path, and you are being affected by it. Well, God, that's not fair. It sure isn't, but it isn't fair that you know me either. And there are some that are lost. The issue becomes that is where our life is. God, why does so-and-so get sick? God, why do I have to deal with this? Why do I have to bear this? Why? And, and, and all the questions. And you know, I don't know all your answers, but here's the deal. If you know the one who you're attached to, those questions now become secondary. Because he stands at the front. And so I don't do what I want. Because I see clearly who God is. You and I, if we were set free in Christ, we were not set free to live as we want. We were set free to live as we ought. And so today I ask again, what do you see? And what is it based on? How do you see God? Who is God to you? When you were to describe the Lord, who is he? I want to end with this. Turn to Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 11. This is the vision of who we are and who we are to be. As you know, in the book of Ephesians, first three chapters tells us of our position in Christ, what we have because of Christ, where we are as believers because of Christ. And then those last three chapters tells us what our practice should be because of the position that we have in Christ. So as we look at Ephesians, those first three are, are, are giving you your position. As a believer, as a Christ follower, as one who has committed their life to Christ, when you read the first three chapters, Paul is setting up position. This is who you are and where you are. And then he starts in chapter 4. Now, because of who you are and where you are, this is how you should live. But we see in the beginning, chapter 1, verse 11, and on down, he gives this. He says... And there's a phrase I want you to hear there. And we can go back because if you read from verse 3, and we don't have the time to verse 10, it should excite you because it talks about what, because of Christ, what we have and who we have and where we are. Verse 11 says, In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. Remember that phrase. In him also you, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit when you believed. That's a teaching for another time. When you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. And you see what he, he's given you at the end of these, these phrases, the purpose of it all. The purpose of it all is to the praise of his glory. And that word glory, because many times we use it and we just kind of throw that word out. 
that word really carries, it is a word of weightiness, of substance, to the weightiness and substance of God. It is to the praise of what comes from him and who he is, of his glory. And so when it talks about all these things happening to the praise of his glory, and that you will represent him and, 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 and that you will do this and that you will be this to the praise of his glory. If what I do, if what we plan, if what we set our hearts on does not result to the praise of his glory, should we be doing it? See, God has set all this up. So that when people look at you and I living, they don't see perfection, but they see this growth and then they praise God. In Matthew, we get it this way. Let your good works shine or be bright before men. Why? So that, I mean, sorry, let your light shine so that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify you. And glorify your Father who is in heaven. The whole point of you and I living out our faith in obedience to God isn't so that people will stand in awe of how you're living, is that they would stand in awe of who God is, that he would work in someone like you or me. And that they would see what they have their eyes set on. They're like, hold on a minute. I know so-and-so. How on earth are they living like that? And I'm not talking about the, the, the substance of what you have in your life. I'm not talking about because you're wearing that nice suit or them great clothes or them great shoes that people are going to talk about you. That's not to the praise of his glory. I mean, it can talk about the Lord providing for you, but it can also talk about your overspending. Oh, but, 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 but that's not the point. When they see you living regardless of what's happening in your life. Sister, how are you so happy when I know what's going on in your life? I know this sickness. How on earth are you, how on earth are you doing this to the praise of his glory? I know you've gone through some hard times financially, or I know that you've got some family issues that you've not been able to resolve, but yet you don't seem to be that person that no one wants to be around. You seem to still be able to go on your, on your way and to live to the praise of his glory, God working in me. I told you guys, and I told you repeatedly, that was one of the things that won me over, having, I mean, growing up in the projects in Brooklyn, and, and, and mom and dad there, yes, and, and having everything we need, but nowhere near everything we wanted. I remember one day looking at my mother in the kitchen singing, and I, I'm looking around us and, 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 and where we lived, and, and my thinking was warped because I thought because we lived in the projects, life wasn't good. That was crazy because it was real good because of the home that they had created in Christ. But I remember sitting there and looking at her in the kitchen. I can still see it today. Looking at her in the kitchen, and I asked that question, why is this woman so happy? When we live in like this, then I remember also saying one day, I don't know what it is. Now, this is after having grown up, little kid up in church, heard all the sermons and been in all the plays, wasn't a believer yet, and all those things I heard. But I just remember saying, whatever it is, I want it. Because what I saw was regardless of what was happening in life, good or tough, she was enjoying life. 
And then when I realized the what that she had wasn't a what, it was who. And it was the fact that she had a clearer vision of who Jesus was and is that it didn't matter what she had or did not. What mattered was who she had. And boy, what it resulted was this life that demonstrated this excitement in God and this excitement in Christ and that she could live out her faith in front of people. And she didn't realize that it was affecting this kid that was watching her from the background. Folks are watching your life. I'm telling you right now, folks are watching you, whether you realize it or not. It's not for you to get scared. It's for you to get serious. It's not for you to be nervous about, am I going to project the, the, the perfect image? No, just, you know what? just project a consistent one. God knows you aren't going to be perfect, but that's not your excuse. He still holds the standard of perfection out there. Be ye holy, for I am. Perfect, for I am. That's your standard. So if ever you got that day when you're feeling yourself, boy, I'm living this life great. God goes, are you like me? Brings you back down to earth, doesn't it? Are you perfect yet? Nah, then keep working at it. Then keep living. Stop worrying about, you know, today you kind of feeling that I got this all together. No, the deal becomes what I see governs what I do. It does. You see something coming at you that's a threat, you respond. But if you're blindsided, right, if you're blindsided, you don't see a thing. And you get caught off guard. Have eyes to see who God is so that when life happens, you still know I belong to God. See, the vision for who we are, we were created for his glory. I cringe when I hear people say, I was born to play football. No, you weren't. I was born to make money. No, you weren't. You were born to praise God. You exist to bring glory to God. And I know for some that may hit hard. Nah, man, I, no, no, that's the best thing you can do because he's the one that created you. And in you, there is a part that will never be satisfied ever, ever until you are connected to Christ and that you are praising him and you are glorifying him with your life. You will always have that. There's something missing. You have all the money in the world. And again, I'm not going to sit here and bash people with money. Not at all. If God has allowed you to have it, use it wisely. Because the scripture tells, you know, Paul to warn, I mean, Paul warned Timothy, warn those who are rich in this world. He says, warn them that don't let what you have fool you that somehow you are right with God all the time. And don't let your poverty discourage you that somehow you are wrong with God all the time. Neither is the case. But we'll talk about this at another time. As Paul said, I've learned the secret of being content. 
Boy, that verse is loaded. And some of you have heard me talk about that. That verse is loaded. Because when he says, I've learned, it doesn't happen without you making an effort to increase your knowledge on something that you didn't know before. Everyone that is sitting in this room that has a profession, you weren't born with it. You learned it. And then he says, I've learned the secret. What do you mean secret? It's not easily found. It is one that is hidden and that if you are serious enough about it, you'll find it. I've learned the secret of being content in all situations. And so God tells you and I today, hey, listen, don't let what you have or not have de derail or discourage you. Who you are or who you're not cause you to walk away from him. Where you wish you were going and where you're not and where you are going, he says, if you see me clearly, you will know how to respond. We live according to what we see. We do. We live according to what we see. If I'm concerned that I will never have, and I'm, I'm afraid of always coming up short financially or in life, I am in danger of being a hoarder because I'll never want to share. I'll never want to give anything. If I see myself as inadequate, if I see myself as not enough, if I see myself as never accomplishing anything great, guess how I'm going to live? I'm going to always live trying to get approval and attention so that I feel that I'm worth something, that, 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 that people like me and approve of me. You live based on what you see. So my two questions for you today at the end is, what do you see that is causing you to live the way you live right now? And if it's not what God wants you to see, it can change today. Because that's the freedom that God brings. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much, Lord, that your word is our prophetic vision. Father, that your word is what gives us the light, the clarity of sight, everything we need to see. And Father, I pray that you would help us to continue to see what you have shown us, that we would go where you are leading, that our eyesight would be clear as we get into your word. Help us to be people that live knowing that we are loved first, and then, Lord, knowing that out of love, we live for you. I pray, God, that our eyesight would be sharp and focused. That we would not believe the lies about you. We would not get distracted by other people around us and how they are living. Father, that not by how the mistakes that others are making in their life, but we would live according to your word because that is clear vision. Father, please help us not to be those that cast off restraint. We cast off that which is keeping us in as we should and is protecting us from what is outside of your protection. Help us. In the name of Christ, amen. I'm going to ask you while your 